Hey, good morning, Summit Church Online. Pastor Wayne Hansen here. Would you share this link with a friend, Pastor Wayne H., on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitch, LinkedIn, Instagram, all those wonderful places. And if you're coming in person, here's, how, here's what to look for. On the side of the highway, you'll see a big banner that says church in green and blue with a little Summit Church sign. It's not too late to get down here, 4240 North Perry Park Road in Sedalia, Colorado. If you have a prayer request, please put it in the chat, chat today. We'd love to be praying with you either during service or afterwards. And if we can help you and bless you in any kind of way, get you a Bible or help you grow in your faith, that's what we're all about. Um, so this is going to be your five minute warning, everybody. So grab a, your Bible, grab a coffee, grab a notebook and a pen, invite a friend, and we will worship in five minutes. Five minutes, everybody.
wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Hey, Kim, will you kill that music for me? So we, we, we kind of got out of the habit of doing this tradition that we have in the church, thinking of five things that we're thankful for. And if we, like, if we don't do it around Thanksgiving, I don't know when we're going to do it. Let's, let's come up with five things as a church that we are thankful for today. Just shout it out so we can hear you. Family, friends, good water, good water, health. Someone who cleans the church. How about that? I'm grateful for that. Hey, we had a record night at Alpha the other night. A room full of people. That was pretty cool. Some new friends, new newcomers, and I believe that God's going to give us some visiting families and guests over the holidays. It's going to be a great time. But. Um, I'm going to be teaching you some new music today, and then we'll have some regular old songs you'll recognize as well. This will be the last Sunday that we're not doing um, Christmas music. <laughs> we're going to start doing some of our Christmas songs starting next week. Because um, this Saturday night is Starlighting in Castle Rock. And so our booth is booth number 105. The town did not give us a map yet as to where what booth is where. But if you want to help us promote the church at Starlighting, it's from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. downtown Castle Rock, kind of by the Courthouse Square. Normally they put us kind of near the, caf the Castle Cafe or kind of in that little area, but I have no idea where they're going to put us. I'm not sure how the numbers go this year. But yeah, you'll find me or text me and I'll tell you where we're going to be. We're going to be doing some Christmas carols with my little portable sound system and we'll have a little chair for people doing Christmas selfies with a little Christmassy background and maybe someone wants to be Morty the Moose, especially if it's cold at night, you can be Morty the Moose. That'd be great. Um, but we're going to sing this one that we've, we've all sung before. God's not dead, he's surely alive. Why don't you stand and sing it with us? Exploded, baby. 
your spirit, for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful for everything you've given. And Lord, help us not to focus on the things that you haven't given, but to focus on the things you already have. <laughs> and Lord, to remember that you blessed us to be a blessing. Use us, Lord, for your glory. In this holiday season, make us the light in the darkness, Father. As people are surrounded with fear and politics and kinds of controversy. Help us just to stay in the flow of your love. Hallelujah. This next song is a song I wrote years ago called Snatch Me Away. And in the text that we're going to be studying today, it talks about letting the Spirit of God snatch us away. He snatched us from darkness. He brought us into light. And um, I wrote the song at Grand Junction, and there was a musician there named Bob Marley, I mean Bob, no, uh, George, John Bailey, who was the bass player for Bob Marley. And so John Bailey and I recorded this song after I wrote it, and there's a reggae version of this out, out there in the internet, interwebs somewhere. If you look up Snatch Me Away with John Bailey, Wayne Hanson, it'll come up. And we thought we'd teach it to you today since it's, uh, it comes along with the scripture we're teaching today. We haven't done reggae here before, so give us a little grace, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. 
know what I found out? Thank you. You know, I found out whatever the devil does, Jesus does it better. You met somebody? Jesus tells this parable about this sower who went to sow out seeds. Some of the seed fell on thorny soil. Some of it fell on rocky soil. Some of it fell on shallow soil. The birds came and snatched away some of it. And the inspiration of that for me is, you know what, if the devil can steal, steal the word out of our hearts when we're not paying attention, Jesus can snatch me back. He can hold me back. Amen, somebody. Jesus can steal better than the devil can steal, right? <laughs> so let's let him steal our hearts today. Let him steal us away into his presence and steal the devil's attention away and that we would get our focus on God's word and his promises and his truth and his love. Amen. That we would be truly, truly thankful and grateful this season and go, God, you've been so good. <laughs> How dare I focus on the things you haven't given me? Help me to be focusing on what you have given me. And to be so incredibly thankful. And to use, Lord, what you've put in my hand to bless the people around me. The mountains are still
Uh, I'm going to keep out of this one. So I'm going to start with Hebrews, which in fact is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It says a mouthful. But it starts with Hebrew chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the, a place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten... And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord, the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine dis discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers dis disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so what we might share in so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. This is the word of our Lord. Amen. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. You are here. Thank you. 
Lord, we receive your courage. We receive your strength. We receive more of your love, more of the infilling power of your Holy Spirit. And I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for your courage that comes as we operate in faith. Hallelujah. If you receive it, say amen. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Oh, one more time. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Follow the prompts using your smartphone and 100% of what you give by text will go to the ministry or you can mail your gift to Summit Church, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Turn in your Bible with me to the book of 2 John. It's near the end of your New Testament today. Get a refill on your coffee, get comfortable. As I said, share this link with a friend and we're going to get into the Word of God, into the study today. We're excited that you're on, on board with us and I think it's going to be a great time. The title of today's message is Living in the Truth. Everybody, all right. I love a fellowshipping church. 
at least you're a friendly church that likes to talk. Better than a church that just comes and sits down, stares at the wall, then leaves. We have a church that actually likes to talk to each other. Isn't that nice? So a couple of house cleaning items before we get into the word here today. Next Sunday is our Thanksgiving potluck, if you can believe it. We're already there. Um, as I said, Starlighting is this Saturday from 2 to 7 p.m. And we always do our Thanksgiving potluck the Sunday after Starlighting. So if you're a calendar kind of person, you like to stay organized, that's kind of how we schedule it for us as a church. Christmas Eve this year is actually on a Friday night. Uh, so there's two-day break between uh, Sunday and Christmas Eve. Normally, if it's like on the weekend, if, we, if it's Christmas Eve on Saturday, then we'll do it just... Uh, Christmas Eve in lieu of a Sunday morning, but because we got a two-day gap, we're going to do a 4 p.m., I think 4 p.m., is it, is it dark at 4 p.m.? We want the candlelight to mean something. 5 o'clock, we'll, is 5 o'clock good time for a Christmas Eve service? Okay, so that Friday, Christmas Eve, we'll do a 5 p.m. candlelight Christmas Eve service. Where we've already been talking about how we're going to decorate this beautiful little chapel. Oh, we need a mic? Okay. My mom is making the earphone uh, gesture back there. Is that better, Mom? Okay, good. This mic is for Waverly, everybody. You know, it's all right. Uh, will you bring this down just a little bit because it's feeding back just a tad? So this is the Thanksgiving potluck sign-up sheet. Uh, Maria has graciously offered to bring two turkeys. The church is going to be providing beverages, and then we have slots here for mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, green bean salad, dessert one and two. Pass it around, sign up for something, and whatever we don't have, I'll create a sign-up genius for this week. That'll be on the church website. You'll be able to access it also through the church's Facebook page. And um, the Facebook page now is called Summit Church of Sedalia. So if you can find it that way, um, and it's on Google many different ways, but you can find us. My handle on all social media is Pastor Wayne H. So if you just get lost, put in the, whatever the platform is, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, it's all Pastor Wayne H. No matter where you find me. And you might notice I'm wearing my Salvation Army bell ringers jacket today. This is a little promo for the Salvation Army. My wife's family and my family have a long history with Salvation Army. My uh, my wife's uh, great grandmother was a little was a girl in Denmark whose family got saved through the Salvation Army, and they would be in the Salvation Army band in Copenhagen. Um, doing gospel songs and, and street preaching on the corners of the streets of Copenhagen and people would get saved uh, in Denmark. She was also the great niece or the grand niece or something of Soren Kierkegaard, the famous philosopher, the, one of the founders of ex existentialism. Uncle Soren was kind of a weird guy, uh, but he wrote some really interesting things about worship and about a relationship with God. He wrote this one book called A Fear and Trembling. I've read a lot of uh, Kierkegaard and he had a very... Um, let's just call it austere relationship with God. Uh, sort of, he thought of God as being very far away and the rule maker and sort of the bring the hammer down kind of God, not the grace-filled God, which a lot of people look at God that way. Um, but we, we evangelicals, of course, we know Jesus as our friend, as our nearest and dearest friend. Is he holy? Yes. Will God bring judgment? Uh-huh. <laughs> when Jesus returns to the earth, it's going to be no more Mr. Nice Guy, okay? It's been really great, but when he comes in judgment, that means the age of grace is over, and he's going to bring a sword out of his mouth to strike down the nations, and he is going to establish a rule and a reign with a new heaven and new earth and a new Jerusalem. And Jerusalem will be the capital of the planet for a thousand years, and um, we'll, we will rule and reign with him. 
And that's a pretty wonderful thing. But Salvation Army is taking bell ringers. And uh, those of us who are musically inclined, I want to just put it out there for you. Even if you're a singer, I love doing bell ringing. And on my Facebook page, I have the sign up for that here locally in Douglas County. You can click on that link and see local stores that are participating with bell ringers. And you sign up for a two-hour shift. And if you're practicing your guitar anyway, if you're singing anyway, you might as well just do it in front of people. And you have a built-in audience and make lots of new friends and you raise a bunch of money for the Salvation Army. And it does something for me. When I sing those Christmas songs for two hours straight, people are like, oh, I'm so, oh yeah. Everyone gets everyone. How many of you get that smile on your face when you hear that bell ringing and you see the red kettle and you're like, oh, it's Christmas time. You want to put something in there, right? You want to bless people. And, and as blessed as you feel to put some money in the kettle, you're even more blessed to be the guy ringing the, the bell and singing the songs and saying, hey, Merry Christmas, welcome. And what a great thing to say to people in a secular environment like a King Supers or a Walmart or wherever you are to say Merry Christmas. Merry Jesus Christmas, everybody. You know, he came to die for you. He loves you. It's like a built-in evangelism. Why did Jesus come? Hmm, why did that happen? Why did God send Jesus? What's baby Jesus here for? Oh, he came as God's perfect spotless lamb. God's perfect gift to the world died in our place, forgave our sins so that we could be made right with God. Jesus was God's perfect gift. He was the first and best Christmas gift. Amazing, <laughs> right? And so that, I'm, I love the holiday season. It all kind of starts with Thanksgiving, right? And with starlighting, that's, that's official for us in Douglas County. You start driving up in I-25, you see the, the star on top of Castle Rock. Ooh, it's here. And we wait as long as we possibly can to turn it off, right? It's always like the first week in February they turn it off or the last week of January. The other cool thing that we're doing next Sunday is you might see our baptism tank up here. And Anne and Carl are planning on getting baptized. If you know anyone else in your family that hasn't, maybe hasn't been baptized since they've believed, since you've become a, a believer in the Lord Jesus, it's a great thing to do. In fact, Jesus commanded, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. But baptism, let me say this, baptism does not save you. If I received Christ and I died in a plane crash before I got baptized, would I go to hell? No. It's not getting wet that saves me, right? Baptism is, a, is an outward symbol of an inward reality. The word baptism actually comes from the original Greek baptizo, which means to wash. When you say, when you baptizo the dishes, you are washing the dishes. You dunk the cup under the water, you wash it, get it clean, you rinse it off, and you put it on the shelf. That's what God is doing with us when we have the, the rebirth experience. When I put my faith in Christ, I, the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have been reborn. I am dead to my old sin life. And I've come alive to Christ. It's a symbol of the resurrection of Christ. Dead in our old trespasses and sins. And now we've come alive in Christ. And maybe you've never been baptized since you've believed. Maybe someone made that choice for you when you were a baby or just a little kid. You're like, I didn't get to choose it. Someone made me do it because they said I'd go to hell if I didn't get wet. Okay, well, that's not how that works, everybody. It, it comes down to believing faith putting our trust in Christ, saying, God, adopt me into your family. And baptism is just something we do in obedience to what Christ commanded, and it's an outward symbol of what's already happened on the inside. Does that make sense? 
I would love to see more than two. It would be great to have four or five people. And, and sometimes when we do these baptisms, I have spare towels and spare t-shirts and gym shorts. And like, hey, last minute, anybody, not too late. You can get in on it. Get baptized in that day. And uh, that would be great. So turn into Bible with me to 2 John chapter 1. I've titled this message here today, Living in the Truth. Living in the Truth. And you're going to see that spoken about a couple times in our study. Who wrote this? Well, this is the Apostle John, just like we talked about last week. What's this book about? Well, this is a camouflage note from John to a group of Christians being harassed by some false teachers. This whole book is about watching out for false teachers. The Apostle John wrote this in probably about AD 85. So this is after the temple was destroyed. And most of the apostles had been martyred or scattered or were gone in some kind of way. And John was the last living apostle. And that's probably why they were just dying to get letters from any living apostle. And it, it, it really happens during the early life of the early church. Breaking the book down here, uh, verses 1 through, through 13, there's a greeting. Then there's an admi admonition to love each other. Of course, that's John's life verse. It's his life message. Love one another. Right? Jesus said, love your enemies. Love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> he said, when just, John says, there's only one thing, just one thing. Just love. Love God with everything. Love each other. If you'll do that, Jesus said you'll fulfill everything in the prophets, everything written in the whole Bible. If you'll just love God and love people. Think, of what's the most loving thing I can do right now? And sometimes the loving thing is a hard thing. Like, it's as hard, but I have to tell you the truth because I love you. This, this is going to sting a little bit, but I love you and i got to tell you. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's not very loving to not tell the truth. Of course, whenever we speak, we need to speak with love. So, and then verse 11, he talks about warning against false teachers, which we cover. And then closing remarks, key concepts in this book are joy, truth, and love. And then he speaks of the chosen lady and her children. Who is she? We don't know. Of course, a Catholic would say uh, maybe this was, uh, they were speaking of Mary. I don't think Mary would be alive at 85 AD. So this is probably speaking of one of their teachers in the early church. Perhaps John didn't want the Roman authorities to identify her because of the this is a time when uh, Christians were being pulled out into the street and martyred for their faith or taken to the Colosseums. Um, they, they would line, the Roman centurions would come into Roman cities or Roman occupied cities and line people up and say, you must say Caesar is Lord and you know, swear your oath to, to Rome. Of course, Christians, we don't do that. We, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord. And as soon as a Christian was caught, uh, they'd be, they could be killed on the spot or sent to the Colosseum. So many Christians were on the run um, or going to extended places in the empire, which the Romans had not yet fully gotten a hold of or fully occupied. Kind of like you'd be going to Alberta. You know, you go to some really backwater place and Christians were going to backwater places to escape persecution. Um, and you can read this book in about five minutes. Here's a one verse worth memorizing. Verse four, how happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the father commanded. John says this, he says, stay alert. We need to be on guard against people with harmful teachings, just as John encouraged his audience to be. What's this book about? Well, it's, he says, not every polished speaker who knows what they're talking about. And we have that today. There are a lot of very slick people in the American church. But as even that's a misnomer because they're really not in the church if they're not of the true church. We have a lot of people coming in the name of Christianity to sell some books or to sell some albums or to sell some concert tickets or get some merch into your hands, right? But they're really 
They haven't fully been converted. They are really not of us. They might come in the name of Christianity, but they're not serving Christ as Lord and not living a godly lifestyle. And that's, that's terrifying. It's frightening because we sometimes don't know. But Jesus said, you can know. It's by their fruits you'll know them. It's by their fruit. Does their life reflect the nature of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. By the fruit you'll know them. If you see materialism, you see selfishness, you see rage and anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's not someone who is in that process of discipleship. That's someone who's far from God. So his, his, uh, John's greeting here, verse 2, grace and mercy and peace which come from God the Father, from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, and will continue to be with us. Live in truth and love. Live in truth and love. In other words, don't live a double life. Who you are in front of people is the same person who you are in private when nobody's looking. Be a person of integrity. Don't be two-faced. Be completely true and real. And if you're struggling, say, hey, I'm struggling. I need help. I'm going through a difficulty. I'm depressed. I'm afraid. I'm having a hard time forgiving this person because when we bear one another's burdens, we walk in truth. And when we walk in truth, then we walk in the light. And then God can begin to work on us, right? And you have to love yourself enough sometimes to tell yourself the truth because who's the worst person you lie to? It's yourself. (laughs) We lie to ourselves all the time. And it's the least loving thing you can do is to lie to yourself. God wants you to love yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. So he says this, how happy I was to meet some of your children and to find them living according to the truth just as the Father commanded. Verse five, I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one that we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us and has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. Now I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you can receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. Now this group that was coming in, there were two groups that were a real problem in the early church. There was the Judaizers, and these are the people who were saying, yeah, 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 Jesus and everything. But you really have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. You have to, let, you men, you got to let the temples grow long on your side of your head. You got to get the surgery. You got to get the circumcision, boys. You're not really a Christian until you get circumcised. Ladies, you got to cover your head. You got to keep all the Jewish customs. You got to convert to Judaism and then you can be a Christian. I don't know, that's not, <laughs> that's not the truth, Right? God didn't say, I just love the Jews, so I need you all to become Jews. No, he said to Abraham, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. So he came for all nations. He didn't just come for Jewish people. And he doesn't expect everyone in the world to become Jewish. He expects us all to come unto Christ and let Christ do the washing, let Christ do the cleansing, let him do the adopting. And once we're in the family, then we can grow. Then we can be enculturated into the family values of the kingdom of God, right? That's a big, 
That's a big thing. And the Judaizers haunted the Apostle Paul. Everywhere he went, he would preach the gospel of grace and truth. Greeks and Romans and all these Gentiles would come to Christ and they'd come into the local church and it was wonderful. And as soon as Paul left, here come the Judaizers. By the way, Paul left out some things. Now you have to be a Jew. What? <laughs> and that, you know, that's, that's wrong. That's religion. That's not the gospel of grace through faith. That's a gospel of works. Right? We have it in the church today. They're evangelicals. They're Catholics. There are many people who came, come in the name of Christianity to say, well, you're not a real Christian until you go through our discipleship class. You got to go through our catechism. You got to go through our CCD class. Then you're, even, even when you think about how we hire ministers or even how we do baptism. Like, oh no, you can't be baptized until you take this six-week class. Was, it, was John the Baptist giving six-week classes on the, on the shores of the River Jordan? Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, have you taken the class? What synagogue do you belong to? No, 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 no. Repent and be baptized. It's simple. It's not complicated. What's not about church politics? Turning your heart towards God. Simple childlike faith, trust, and belief. Right? It's not complicated. And then the other, the other group which John is referring to here were the Gnostics. They thought that there was secret special knowledge, gnoskos, secret knowledge that certain Christians had. They had a revelation that Jesus was a mystical figure. He only appeared to come in the flesh. And so the flesh was bad, but the spirit was good. So whatever I do in the flesh doesn't count as long as my spirit's with God. So they would have drunken parties and orgies and all kinds of revelries in pagan culture. And go, it's okay, it's all under the blood. Jesus forgave it all. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Is that, is that what Jesus said? No, that's not, you're teaching something else. Jesus didn't say, go and sin as much as you want. He didn't say to the woman caught in adultery, well, you know, go ahead. <laughs> I forgive you, just keep your prostitution business going, it's fine. Is that what he said? He said, go and sin no more. He said, what you're doing is wrong. Don't do it anymore. Right? I forgive you. I don't condemn you. But stop sinning. He says to another person that he heals, stop sinning before something worse happens to you. Whoa. So sin is not something to play with. Jesus was for real. He was serious about turning from our sin. And these Gnostics were saying, oh, it's fine, whatever. And we have people like that in evangelical circles today who say you can become a Christian without repenting. You can just receive Jesus and go on your merry way because it's all forgiven. You never have to ask for forgiveness ever again. Is that true conversion? Is that someone who's truly submitted under the Father's authority? No, that's someone who's picking and choosing the parts of the Bible and the gospel that they like and rejecting the hard parts that they don't like. That's a person who's crafting God in their own image rather than letting him craft them into his image. That's idolatry in the name of Christianity. It's so dangerous. So he says, uh, verse 10, if anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. One of you gave me a, a text uh, last week like, Pastor, how do I know like, if I'm, like, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I also know that like, some, sometimes they do the wrong thing and like, I know, they say they're Christian, but they're not acting like it. The Bible says you should treat them like an unbeliever. This is not someone who should be your best friend and you hang out with all the time. 
And we, we, my job as a pastor is to protect the congregation from people who would want to weasel their way in and, and try to bilk you for money or deceive you or, or, or jump into bed with some of you. No, 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 no. That's not what we're, that's not what this is about. We're here to glorify God and we're here to walk in holiness to be disciples of Christ. And if someone would come to try to take advantage of you, it's part of a shepherd's job to clock that wolf over the head. Right? And some of you are under shepherds. You're shepherds in training. You better get good with that slingshot, boy. Because the more the church grows, the more the enemy will try to sow division. He'll bring in people that don't really believe. They don't really belong to us. They are coming for ulterior motives. You go, oh, that's so scary. Yeah, it's the world we live in. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it's what we have to do. So, and that's what John is saying. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. You don't want to enable that kind of thing. And you don't want to be a co-conspirator in something the enemy's doing in, a, in the church. Here's his conclusion. He says, I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink. For I want to visit you soon and talk to you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. Greetings from the children of your sister chosen by God. Third John, the final and very short uh, epistle here. And we are finishing the epistles today, going into the book of Revelation. Ooh. So by the way, it's going to be a crazy study. Because starting next Sunday to the end of the year, we're going to be studying prophecy in the book of Revelation. Like, are we ready for that, Pastor? Are we ready? Ready or not, here it comes, everybody. So here's what I, I would recommend you do. Study the book of Daniel. Even now, before we get into the Revelation study, start reading and listening to the book, the book of Daniel, because if you can understand the timeline of the book of Daniel, you'll begin to understand all of prophecy in the book of Revelation. And some of, if you get through Daniel, I'm like, that's good too, read Ezekiel and read some of the major prophets, and that will help you understand the timeline of history. And I've, I, I've got a really great book. I'm, I'm, I'm pre-studying for Revelation too. It is called Charting the End Times. It has some amazing charts and graphs and theology. We're going to talk a little bit about Bible interpretation and how to be careful not to impose meaning on the text, let the text speak for itself, and what fulfillment of prophecy is and all that stuff. So it's going to be a great study. And um, we'll talk more about that in the days ahead. It's 3 John chapter 1. What's this book about? Well, John praises Gaius, very Roman name, for welcoming Christian preachers, and con he contemns Diotrephes for keeping those preachers out of the church. Um, so who wrote it? John, again, around 85 AD, late in the first century. He gives a greeting. He praises Gaius' hospitality, warns against Diotrephes, who is a deceiver, prays for Demetrius' actions, and gives closing remarks, some key concepts, truth, hospi hospitality, good and bad examples. He speaks uh, in the scorecard here, John's friend Gaius, who, who, to whom the letter is written. Diotrephes is a dictatorial church leader who opposes John. This is a guy in the church who was saying, it's my way or the highway. No one else can do this. I'm the, I'm the only one. And he's like, hey, 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 wait, hold on, wait a, hold a second. There are people who come who are good teachers, and you're not the only one who has any revelation. You're not the only one anointed Right? And then Demetrius, he talks about being a faithful brother. There's a scripture verse worth memorizing. He says, verse one, verse, chapter 1, verse 4, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Isn't that true for us Christian parents? Like, the main thing for me is, hey, are my kids loving Jesus? Are they serving Jesus? They're doing their best to live in the fear and the love of God. Of course we're all going to make mistakes, but... Are you, are you serving Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you, are you ch chasing after him in your life? 
Some role models, he says, it matters who we choose to look up to and emulate. John advises Gaius to follow the example of Demetrius, not Diotrephes. And the truth is that we become like the people we admire. We become like the people we admire. So try to be like Jesus, right? He says, dear friends, I hope all is well with you, that you are healthy in your body as you are strong in spirit. Verse 3, some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I would underline that. Living according to the truth. What does God want from us? Authenticity. To be the real thing. Don't just be the face of a Christian. Let God's truth and his love and his personality go down to your boots. Let him, let him take control of your life. Those times when you're resisting and you're going to go back towards your sin nature, go, oh, no, no, God, that's not what I want to be. That's not who I am. I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I want to do what you would do. I want to say what you would say. Give me the strength, Lord, to live for you, to live in the truth. I could have no greater joy than hear my children are following in the truth. Verse 5, dear friends, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue to provide for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that they can be uh, their partners. We can be their partners as they teach the truth. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things that he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to follow them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. For only what is good, remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. What's third John all about? Well, it's about being gracious and being a discerning host. Now, I was a traveling Christian musician for years and years. I love this. I've been a, I've been a guest preacher in many churches and ministries. I am grateful for Christians in the church who welcomed me, sometimes even into their own home, to sleep in a guest room, to have a meal. They never met me before. They don't know me from anybody. And they help support our ministry. They help me as I travel around the country, sometimes around the world. God is so faithful to embody his church, to fill his church, and to bring good teachers along the way. So just because there are bad teachers doesn't mean you reject all teachers. You just judge every word. You test the spirits. Look for what they're saying. Does it line up with the word of God? Are they loving? Are they gracious? Are they kind? Do they have the personality of the Holy Spirit? I have much more to say to you, John says, but I don't want to write it in the pen and ink. Peace be with you, he says in verse 15. So good. Such wonderful stuff. There's more in my study Bible about this. But the point I think that, that it makes here is that good leaders honor others. Bad leaders praise only themselves. Good leaders honor others. Bad leaders praise only themselves. And that is, unfortunately, very American. Right? Self-promotion. Promote your brand. I am something else. MyNameMinistries.com. Right? God doesn't need your logo. He doesn't need your name. All we need to do is lift up the name of Jesus. 
He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Right? Which brings me to, to the book of Jude. What's Jude about? Well, Jude is written to, to warn Christians again. It's in blunt language about false teachers again who are already within the church. Jude is a brother of James, and therefore he was a brother of Jesus, a blood brother of Jesus. Now, we don't know if he was older or younger than James, but we know he was one of those brothers that converted after the resurrection. How crazy would it be if you had a half-brother and he claimed to be Messiah, you saw him die on a cross, and then you saw him come back to life again. And you saw him appear to many people, just walking through the wall, eating fish, saying, hey, Tom, put your, put your hand right here. Check it out. Right, and then you maybe you go to Galilee or one of the Mount of Olives and you see Jesus ascend up into heaven. And you go, okay, 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 I got it. All right, he was who he said he was. Whoa, that was the case for Jesus's blood brothers. They didn't believe him at the moment, but they, when they saw the resurrection, they're like, we got to believe. Look at what look at what God did. So this uh, Jude is writing. You give some Old Testament false teachers, and there's false teachers in Jude's day, just as there are today. And uh, he talks about living in a holy faith. And he talks about Michael the archangel and Moses, um, Cain, Balaam, and Enoch. These are Genesis figures. You can read this, this whole book. It's like a page or a page and a half, depending on which, how your Bible's laid out. Less than five minutes. Here's a verse worth memorizing. It says, dear, dear friends, build each other up in the, most, in the Holy Spirit and await for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life in this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Here's a perspective on discernment that Jude says. He says there's a time for talk and there's a time for action. God gave Jude the wisdom to know that the situation was critical. Still, while taking action, we need to show the spirit of Christ in all things. We've got we to gotta watch out for worldly Christians. We've got to watch out for false teachers. Verse 2 of Jude, he says, May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Verse 4, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of, these, of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Verse 8, In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother, like Balaam, who deceived the people for money, and like Korah, they persist in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving up any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit, and they have... Uh, been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, chumming up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars, doomed forever to blackest darkness. This is fascinating. 
This is the, the one quote from the book of Enoch that we get in the New Testament. It says, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. Whew, have we seen any of that in the American church? I think we have. <laughs> I know I've seen it in Nashville, right? The country music capital of the world, which is, has this little step cousin called gospel music. And some people learn gospel music for all the wrong reasons. Verse 17, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Verse 22, he says, you must follow, you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. And this is where I, why I wanted to pull this song, Snatch Me Away Today. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault doesn't mean you're faultless. It means he will pull you through and make you faultless. He's going to declare you holy and righteous. They told you, uh, um, all glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Amen. So we end the epistles. What's, what's the book of Jude about? Don't put up with sloppy teaching. Don't put up with someone who just, oh, that's what I think the Bible means. No, no. The Bible means what it means. What are you talking about? I don't care about your opinion. What does it mean? What does it say? What is the Bible teaching us? I don't really care about your opinion about it. I want to know what it says. I don't conform it to my personal opinion, try to find some scriptures to back it up. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> I let the Bible read me and go, hey, look, Wayne, you're, you're messed up right here. Get that out of there. That's, that doesn't belong there. Ooh, you got an attitude problem over here. You need to submit in that area. Yes, Lord. To have a submissive heart, submissive spirit to go, I can't, I'm not right about everything. <laughs> and I never will be. But he is never wrong. <laughs> He's never wrong. He's never wrong. The Bible is always right. You know, it's, it's so crazy. We live in such an arrogant culture. I have shared scriptures with people and they go, well, I just don't believe that. Do you believe the Bible? Yeah, I believe the Bible. But you don't believe that? You know, that's in the Bible. Yeah, I don't like that. Oh, okay, well, one of you is wrong. Either you're wrong or the Bible is wrong. Oh, let me think about this one. This is a real tough one. You're wrong. Duh. Right? It's not hard. <laughs> and yet, we don't want to submit. 
Well, that's step one is submission. Saying, God, I know you're always right. Even when I don't like that you're right. Even when you don't answer my prayer the way I wished you would, you're still right. Maybe you've come today or you're watching today and you're like, I've had a stormy relationship with God. I, I have tried to do all this stuff on my own or I've tried to craft God in my own image and I am tired of the fight because none of it seems to make sense anyway. And I know that I've been a carnal Christian. I've been a Christian that's just kind of wanted to craft my own little path rather than obeying what his word has told me to do. I want to start the relationship now. I want to come under submission and be adopted into God's family and start the process of saying, okay, Lord, knock off the rough edges. Make me more like Jesus. Whatever it takes to be more like you, Lord, I'm willing to do it. A lot of people think they prayed that prayer, but they really haven't done it yet. They've intellectually ascended to Christianity as a philosophy, but they haven't converted they haven't given their life over to the Son of God. You can do it right now, in this moment. You can surrender and finally say yes to Jesus. Because God has a wonderful plan for your life. If you'll just say, I'm off the throne, God. You, you take charge now. You call the shots. How do you do it? It's just a simple prayer of faith. Saying, God, I believe you died on the cross for me. That God raised you from the dead. You died in my place. You paid for my sins. Come into my heart. Take charge. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Let me walk with you for the rest of my life. If you'd like to pray that prayer, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you want to pray it today, please let us know that you are praying the prayer. Comment, like, give us a thumbs up. Or if you do it here in the room, share with one of us here today before you leave that you're praying this prayer. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I believe God raised you from the dead. Just like the scriptures say. Please come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I love you, church. Uh, don't forget about all the stuff going on in the weeks ahead. Love to have you do bell ringing. If you want to like do it with with me or what, with one of us, I've signed up already for King Supers. That's a great store to do because there's zillions of people that come and go. And uh, I think last last time I alone raised over $800 for Salvation Army, which was great. Um, so it's fun to do. And if you want to be a part of one of those bell ringing shifts, that would be great. Uh, if you sign up for food, uh, don't forget to bring it <laughs> on Sunday. And come join me for Star lighting on Saturday afternoon. You can partner with us with the offering box in the back or hit the donate button online if you're watching here today. Why don't you stand and I'll give you the blessing and we will get out of here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the epistles. And as we enter into the study of prophecy in the weeks ahead, help us not to be, fear to be fearful, but to be anticipating your coming and that you're going to establish your rule and your reign and your kingdom. And so, Lord, we're not afraid of prophecy. We're excited about it. We're excited that you're about to do something wonderful in the earth. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift your countenance, and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a good week, everybody. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Have a wonderful day.
Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.